This is the Radio Bible Class, and I'm your host, Tim Carter. We welcome you to our Bible study as the Radio Bible Class streams across the nation and around the world. We bring to you a message how Christ ministers to his disciples after the resurrection. We greet you on the internet and radio with the message that Jesus is alive today. Now, today's lesson is titled, I Am the True Vine. It comes from John 15, 1 through 11. But before we start our lesson today, Word Talk Inc. could use your support. Now, playing music on the radio may sound simple, but actually it's quite costly due to publishing rights and royalties. And before that first song was ever played, there's utility bills and tower rental fees and maintenance and so forth. We need people just like you to help with tax-deductible gifts, so won't you do that today? You can do that by calling us at 601-483-8648, and there they can take your information safely and securely over the phone. Or mail us your gift to Word Talk, Inc., P.O. Box 4334, Meridian, Mississippi, 39304. Now, your gift to Word Talk, Inc. is IRS approved at a 501c3 tax-exempt ministry. Your contribution is never used for salaries or managerial purposes, but 100% of it goes to the expense providing the good news of Jesus Christ to our listening area. Hebrews 13.16 says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. If you'd like to go back and listen to a previous lesson, you can do that by going to our podcast website. That's Radio Bible Class with no space between radiobibleclass.podbean.com or catch us wherever you listen to your podcast, whether that's on iTunes or Amazon or Spotify or Google. Just search for WMER Radio Bible Class with no spaces between Radio Bible Class. Well, welcome to the last week of our series that is on the I Am statements from the book of John. If you remember, there's seven I am statements, and these I am statements are how Jesus revealed himself, his character, and even his mission to the world. As we've gone through these seven weeks, I've pointed out that this I am that Jesus says is the same I am that goes back to all the way to Exodus when Moses asked God, who shall I tell him sent me? And he says, I am. If you go look at the Hebrew or the Greek word, it's the same word, I am. Jesus was claiming his divinity that he had, and then he would finish with a character that he would explain that he had as well. And he kind of used an example of what the people would understand to see that character. Like the first one was, I am the bread of life. And there he talked about that they needed to eat of his body. Just as the nation of Israel, when they were out in the wilderness, that God provided them manna, Jesus was telling them, I will provide your daily need. Feed on me, be part of me, and I will give you what you need daily. The second lesson we looked at was, I am the light of the world. Jesus was explaining that he illuminates. Light illuminates darkness. And Jesus says, I will provide a way for you through this dark world. I will guard you as you go. Then we saw in the third week, I am the door. And there he was telling them that I will protect you from the enemy. I will keep you safe in the shelter of the sheepfold. There's a gate that leads us to the Father and that he is the gate. And no one can come in except the true shepherd. Which takes us to the fourth week, which was, I am the good shepherd. I'm the one who cares for the sheep. I'm the one who's willing to lay down my life so that the animals and the enemy doesn't get them. I'm the one to find the lost sheep and bring it back to the fold. And then we saw in week five that I am the resurrection and the life. 
Here we saw that Jesus was saying that he has victory over death. He has victory over sin. He has victory over the grave. And it was also a foreshadowing of what he was about to go through as he brought Lazarus back to life. And then in week six, we saw him say that I am the way, the truth, and the life. And Jesus is the way because he is the truth. And that is what God has been revealing to the whole earth is that he is God and he is the only way. And Jesus is our only way to him. It's through him. Well, today we come up to the last I am statement, and that is I am the true vine. So turn with me to John 15. We'll start in verse 1. I'll be reading out of the ESV. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the words that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anything does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch, and it withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into a fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So there's a couple of things I'll point out real quickly. First, we see that Jesus brings God the Father in with this particular I am statement. He has not done that in the first six. Here he says the Father is the vine dresser. Then he goes on to say that he is the vine and that we are the branches. Right there in verse 5 he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And so what we need to understand is that is if Jesus is the vine and he is the way to the vine dresser, remember, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If he's the way to the vine dresser and we are the branches, we need to be completely plugged into Jesus. He is the source and we can do nothing without him. Jesus wants them to understand and us to understand that you can't be a branch of something without being completely dependent on the source. In the Bible, sometimes we see examples, for example, what we study where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd and you are the sheep. You know, sheep, we talked about how dependent they are on the shepherd, but they can survive for a short period of time without the shepherd, without a shepherd. But Jesus takes it one step further. He turns it up a notch in that he says in this analogy that you are completely dependent on me. I am your source for life. Without me, you cannot abide. See, we live in a society today that says that we should be very independent. Our society is too proud to admit that they need help. We are too proud sometimes to admit that we need help. We like to be able to say that we did it ourselves. Needing help or asking for help is seen as a sign of weakness. 
This is the very reason why men won't stop and ask for directions. This is why when you go into a bookstore, there are shelves and shelves of books out there of self-help. Why ask a professional when you can buy a book and figure it out yourself? Instead of getting help, I'll just go buy a book, read about it, and learn about it. Now YouTube is the same way. We go out to YouTube and watch a video, and then we're able to go and fix or do whatever because people put out a self-help on how to do some task that they've done. But let me tell you, as a Christian, this hits a brick wall. Our entire faith is built on the idea that we are not good enough. And that the only way that we can be good enough is by accepting help through Jesus Christ, through the source, through the vine. I mean, it's very counterculture, and it reveals the weakness of the world when you understand what Jesus is trying to teach here. See, we have to accept as a Christian that we aren't good enough. We have to understand that we can't do it ourselves. We have to understand that we need his help. And no matter how much success you've had in your life, until you understand the fact it is Jesus that has allowed us, that has given us what we have and given us the place that we are, and it's through his grace and his mercy that we have what we have. I remember when I was on staff at Grace Haven, some of the people that came to church, they tried to fold Jesus into just the rest of their life. Almost like Jesus was a flavor of the month that they could put into their latte. And what I can tell you is that you will never find the joy that he talks about in verse 11 until you understand that Jesus is not another part of our life. He is our life. Unfortunately, a lot of people feel like they can just attach their life to Jesus but what Jesus is telling his disciples and what he's telling us right here in this part of the scripture is that we've got it backwards. We don't attach him to our life. We aren't the one that calls the shots. We attach our life to him. We abide in him. But now look what it says in verse 2. Look at that with me real quick. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. And let's stop and unpack this real quick, because I think sometimes this is taught wrong or it's misunderstood. What Jesus is saying right here is that he wants us to be fruitful, and he will do whatever it takes to make us fruitful. The first question maybe in your mind is, what is fruitful? The Bible tells us in Galatians 5, that the fruit, and let me just point that out, it says the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruits of the Spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit. It means we get all this. This is the fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So think of this as a cluster we are to be a sum of all of this, not just one or two, but when we have the Spirit living in us, and when we are abiding in Jesus, we are abiding in the power of the Holy Spirit. When we are yielded and we are away from our flesh, we see all of these come to fruition. That doesn't mean we get it day one. We have to grow in our walk with the Lord. And the Lord shines that light when he says, I am the light. He shines the darkness and we allow the spirit to reveal to us and we prune that out. Maybe you're here today because the Lord wants to reveal to you some of the areas in your life 
not because Tim is such a good person, because this is an area that stomped on my toes this week as I was preparing for this lesson. I have areas where I still see shriveled fruit. I'm not saying I don't have any fruit, but as I go through that list, how often do I find myself falling short? And ask yourself that same question. What is the Lord saying to me today about the fruit of the Spirit and where it is in my walk? So we see right here in verse 1 and 2, Jesus is saying that the Father is the vine dresser, and I am the vine, you are the branches, and the branches that bear no fruit he cuts off. Even the ones that do bear fruit he prunes back so they will bear more fruit. And again, I said I want to point out something because sometimes I think this is not taught correctly. Some people teach that this cutting away, that God cuts you away because you don't bear fruit, then you're no longer in the Father. And I don't think that's what it's really talking about here because we can go dive into the Word, look back at the Greek, and we see that cut off really in the Greek means takes away. Prune means cleans. And so I think as we look at the fruit that we saw in Galatians 5, that we see what Jesus is trying to say is that the Father is going to prune you back. He's going to create some pain so that you will be more fruitful. And that he's going to take away things from your life that keeps you from being fruitful. Well, where I grew up, you know, there wasn't a lot of vines. There wasn't a lot of grapes. Now, there were some muscadines. But what I did grow up learning how to grow was tomatoes. And I'm going to use a tomato plant similar to the vine. Now, Jesus uses the vine and the, because it's what people understood at that time. They grew grapes in that part of the world. We grow tomatoes. And we understand tomatoes. And if you understand tomato plants, then you understand about sucker stems or tomato suckers. In fact, you speak to many gardeners and there's this debate around tomato suckers, whether you should keep them, whether you should get rid of them, and what actually are a tomato sucker in the first place. Well, tomato suckers is not actually the right word for it. It's actually called an axle, and it's a small shoot that grows from the point between the branch and the main stem. That main stem would be like the vine that Jesus is talking about. But it is a small shoot that grows up between the branch and that vine or that main stem. If you don't pull these tomato suckers away, they will eventually grow up and they will produce fruit. But it takes a longer time. It takes away from the health of the plant in the short term. And it also makes it more bushy. And it can aid in the spread of diseases and the density of leaf cover uh, cuts back on airflow. So the term sucker came around because they inhibit tomato plant growth and healthy plant growth. And as I learned to grow tomato plants, I was taught that you cut these little sucker stems off and that allows increased airflow. It reduces the moisture that brings the risk of disease, and it's fewer leaves, which means that there's less places for insects to, to be, and you still have plenty of, of branches that can produce fruit. So taking this same ideology back to the vine, Jesus isn't rebuking us here. He's saying, 
I am going to take away the suckers in your life. I'm going to take away the things that have more risk of you not being fruitful. I'm going to take away the things that will allow you to have bigger fruit. Even sometimes these suckers are, will have fruit, just like the vine will produce fruit. It just takes it longer to do it if you don't prune it back, if you don't take it away. Jesus is saying, I'm going to prune it away. I'm going to take it away so that you produce better fruit and you're more effective for me and there's less risk. This is what Jesus says in verse 3. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. In other words, already you are fruitful. You just need some pruning. I don't necessarily need to take that particular branch away. You're already clean because you've heard me. And we as Christians that we need to get in God's word. We need to understand what the commandments are. We need to understand what Jesus taught so that we can be clean. And then in verse 4, he says, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. That brings up the question, then how do we abide in Jesus? Well, you've got to understand what's going on from John 14, 6 to now John 15, 5 and 6, where he's saying this. He has talked about he has to leave that he's about to go to the cross and there is a helper coming and this helper will help you remember what I've taught you. There's a helper coming that will help you to be a follower of me, to walk in my ways. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. And here he's saying, you need to abide in me. And we know when we get saved, the Bible teaches us that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. And the Holy Spirit now helps us to abide in Christ. And if we want to produce the fruit that I read about, then we have to have the Holy Spirit. See, in Micah 3.8, it says, I am full of power by what? The Spirit of the Lord. The Bible teaches us that the Holy Spirit is all-powerful. The psalmist wrote in Psalms 139.7, Where can I go from your Spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? So how can God be everywhere and present everywhere? It's through his Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has all knowledge to help us be clean. Listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians 2.10. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. It is through the Holy Spirit that we do it, and it's so that he can teach us and he can take us deeper and deeper into God's truth as we go along in our Christian life. We are to grow and produce more fruit, and it is through the knowledge of Christ, and it's through his grace, and it's through the help of the Holy Spirit that we do that. And so when we have the Holy Spirit in us, and when we're allowing the Holy Spirit to lead our life, we are abiding in Christ. And look what it says in verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, whoever allows the Holy Spirit to teach them more and more about me, and then that I am more and more in them, and that they, they reflect more of me, he it is that bears much fruit. From apart from me, you can do nothing. See, this is a cold, hard fact of nature. 
that if you are connected to a vine, that branch will not produce anything unless it is connected. As soon as you sever that branch, it no longer produces fruit. Then he goes on in verse 6 and says, If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into a fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. We glorify the Father as we produce much fruit. And that fruit that we produce proves that we're his disciples. And that really takes me to my final point. Fruit is the evidence that we are his disciples. See, we've looked at that Jesus is divine and the Father is the vine dresser. We've looked that Jesus' desire for us is what? To be fruitful and to abide in him. And we do that through the Holy Spirit. The way that we prove that we are part of the vine is we produce fruit. Fruit is the evidence. In this section of scripture, he uses the word abide, at least in the ESV, 11 times. In other words, if you abide in me, if you are looking to me as your source, if the Holy Spirit has you plugged into me, you will produce fruit. And if you don't abide in him, then he's thrown away that uh, because you're a branch that withers, that doesn't produce fruit. You're thrown into a fire and you're burned. And that is a sign right there, again, of the pruning, of the cleaning process. And also, it is a sign that he is going to do some judgment in the areas of our life where we need some cutting back and some judgment in the areas that aren't good for fruit. He's going to take that and burn that. That's not going to be a part of us. He's going to make sure that we get rid of it. And that's painful. Again, we see in verse 8, but my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove that you are my disciples. It is by the fruit that you bear that you prove that you are a disciple. Now, again, I'm not standing up here teaching works. I want to be careful that you don't take it that way. It is through us abiding in him. It's through the Holy Spirit working through us that the fruit comes out. And then he wraps up in verse 9, 10, and 11. And he says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, uh, abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. If you want the joy that passes all understanding, it is done by abiding in the Father and uh, walking in the Spirit. Amount of time, so let me close with this final thought. No believer can achieve anything of spiritual value independent of Jesus Christ. Jesus has shown us today that he is divine, we are the branches, and but it is a stark reality. It is a law of nature. It is absolute that without him that we can bear no fruit. All true branches bear fruit. And that's what Jesus wraps up with saying that your fruit shows that you are my disciple. When I walk out in to my backyard, I see trees, and I can look at the trees that are alive and the trees that are dead. I can tell by the leaves on them, if they're green and crisp, those trees are alive. But if I see a tree that has no leaves, I see a tree that is just branches and wood, 
more than likely it's dead. Something has killed that tree. It has lost its source for life. So if we want to be seen as a tree that has life, if we want to be seen as a disciple of Christ, then we will bear fruit. We will be plugged into the source. We depend on Jesus for everything, starting with our very life. In Acts 17.28, it says, For in him we live and move and have our being. In the book of Romans, it says that we are reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, our source. Ultimately, Jesus is our source for everything. And it is through his reconciliation that we can stand before an holy God. And so we need to understand that we need him. We can't be good enough. We aren't smart enough. We don't bring anything to the table, no matter how much money, how much education, how much prestige you have. God doesn't need you, but he allows us through his grace come humbly before him when we believe in his son who went to the cross and died for our sins. See, it's really as simple as A, B, C. See, the Bible teaches us that we have to admit that we are a sinner. And then we have to believe on the finished work of the cross. And then we have to confess with our mouth. So A, we have to admit that we need Jesus. B, we have to believe that he did come to the cross and he was the perfect sacrifice. And C, we have to confess him as Lord of our life and commit to chasing after him and following his commandments. So as we wrap up this series, Jesus told us that he was the bread of life, the source of our spiritual fulfillment, our daily bread. He told us that he was the light of the world that illuminates our path. He told us that he was the door for the sheep, the path for safety from the thieves and the robbers that want to lead us astray, and that he was the good shepherd who lays down his life so that he could save our life. He told us that he was the resurrection and the life, that if we believed in him, we would receive a resurrection from the dead into eternal life, that we would transition from this life to the next into eternity with him. And he told us that he is the exclusive way to the Father. And then he told us today that he is the true vine, that we are the branches. And if we remain in him, if we pursue him, if we seek him, and we will produce fruit of our own. So the question is today, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Have you admitted that you're a sinner? And have you believed on his finished work? And have you committed your life to him? If not, do that today. Let us pray. Dearly Father, we come before you today. Lord, I ask right now that if there's one that doesn't know you, Lord, that they would admit that they're a sinner, that they would see their what the Bible teaches us, that they are a sinner, that we've all sinned, not just them, but all of us have sinned, and that the only way to you is to admit that we're a sinner, believe on your finished work on the cross, and commit to make you our Lord and Savior. Lord, maybe there's some that showed up today that they have areas of their life. They have these tomato suckers that are growing, and even they bring risk into their life. Even though it may produce fruit at some time, there's risk to their walk. And Lord, you want to prune that away. You want to tear that away. You want to clean up their life. Lord, I pray today they would turn that part of their life over to you. They would lay it at your feet, Lord, and they would say, only you can do this. I can't clean it up myself. I can't do this in my own strength. I can only do it through you. And Lord, maybe there's one today that is not really walking with the Holy Spirit. 
Yes, they accepted you as Lord of their life, but you know, they've really not tried to go deeper in their walk with you. Lord, I pray today that they would chase after you. Lord, they would chase after the Holy Spirit. They would say, Lord, I want more than just the flavor of you in my life. I want you to be my life. Lord, we thank you for all that you do for us. Lord, we thank you for all that you do for this ministry. Lord, I pray for each and every one that can hear my voice today. Lord, that you would bless them and let them have a blessed day. Lord, it's in your name we pray. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.